Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered. Ron Huntley, your host, and my guest today is Father Patrick Cosgrove of the Halifax Yarmouth Diocese, who currently leads St. Ignatius Parish in Bedford, Nova Scotia. Father Pat is a priest of 35 years, and today you're going to get a behind-the-scenes peek into what that has looked like. Father Pat is also the president of Chalice, a Catholic charity that seeks to alleviate the effects of poverty in the lives of the less fortunate all over the world. I'm excited for you to meet a man who has had a huge impact on my life. Father Pat is my hero, and he's also my uncle. It won't take you long to learn that laughing comes easy in my family, even when discussing difficult topics. Thank you for listening, and enjoy this episode. Lift off and the clock has started. <laughs> and that was my interview with Father Pat. <laughs> Stay tuned next time. <laughs> as soon as he saw it was being recorded, he left. <laughs> Oh, my. All right. Just going to jump in. In Paul's second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 13, starting at verse 5, he says this, Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? My friends, I know I find I can learn so much when I take the time and reflect on the things I've done, usually the things I've done wrong but I rarely take the time to reflect. Today's guest is Father Patrick Cosgrove, and uh, welcome to the show, Father Pat. Very happy to be here. It was interesting you chose that reading, because if there's any reading, I did not know that you were going to do that reading, but if there's any reading that, if I would have known that to find it, I would have chosen that reading myself, I must admit, because I think that is the, you asked me earlier, have you learned anything over the 35 years that I've been a priest? <laughs> okay, just for the record, I didn't ask it like that. <laughs> but that is the essence. <laughs> um, the Clancy brothers, an old, an old Liam Clancy and Tommy Makeham, and it's an old Irish band that I used to like when I was young. They're very well known in the probably in the 60s, 70s area era. But later on, they, they put out an album. I think it was their last album that said, older but no wiser. Um, that sums it up. <laughs> so, <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, and, and I like fans, so like there's something. But in, in relation to that, it was like, well, you asked, you know, have you, what have you learned? Have you learned anything now that you wish you had known earlier? Yeah, and it, and in thinking of that, just for the few minutes that I did, that I gave it thought, um, <laughs> that we had time. It was precisely that reading, just to know, to to reflect on, to reflect to on what God is doing, hmm. and to accept that in a in a belief that this is actually God hmm. that's at work, and to allow that to be true for you. I think that's um I think that's been a struggle for my own my own uh journey 
And if I had had more confidence that indeed God is working in your life, God is surrounding you. And this is um, God's grace that, that is bountiful. I would have found great comfort in that, great consolation, because the the constant struggle was over these those years was, am I doing the right thing? Am I following the right path? And uh, I think a constant uh, wonderment is uh, what is success? You know, what is a what is success in this? parish at this moment at this time and so you have to have this kind of confidence that god is there so i was that i think that's interesting that you chose that reading because it's precisely what i was thinking uh if i had known then that all shall be well so to speak god is god is here um i think that would have saved me a lot of anxiety a lot it's neat that you bring up the word anxiety because I know even as we record this, we're still battling the pandemic. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. But, you know, if there wasn't anxiety before around leading parishes as a priest in a culture that's really post-Christian, boy, the the pandemic definitely would have pushed us all into the deep end in terms of leading, um, causing anxiety because we don't have a playbook for how to lead when nobody's coming to church or when you can only have a hundred people at church. And, and again, not that necessarily we're all doing a great job before that people who identify as none in terms of religion is growing faster than any, any of the others. And I think I, was, I said this before to you that I watched the, I think it was a Ted talk that somebody pointed the, out the decline that it has been happening since the, uh, he went back as far as 1900, which surprised me. Right. <clears throat> and, I was, I was, and I think I was telling you that I thought, wow. And it, it hit me that over the 100 years, 120, I guess now, um, it was the age of the media. Mm-hmm. And the church has largely, the most part, except maybe Bishop Sheen in the, in the 50s, and the, the church has, for the most part, tried to get people to come to church. And pretty well ignoring that the media wasn't waiting, the world wasn't waiting to go into people's homes. Like, they were using this media with their message, with what the world is. You know, what is the world message? Who are these people? It's, it's difficult to say. I wouldn't want to get too deep into that. But for sure, there's a secular age that we're in, and at best, it's at, be, at best it's secular. Sometimes it's actually anti-religious, and um, and I think that's recognizable for everybody. So the world's going in every day, first with radio, then with television, then with the internet, now with the social media, ever more present in our lives. People are living on that cloud, mm. and the church has not been there. And that's why I really think this is what you're doing. You're part of the new church. If there's a new evangelization that's going on and we don't have a playbook for it, or, but it doesn't matter. We are finally beginning to say the media is important. And as somebody said, 
the media is the message. And we didn't get that message until recently. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a gift thanks to COVID in many ways, isn't it? Exactly. And that's that's exactly where uh, I was going with this, is I COVID has pushed every priest, every person in the church saying, well, if the church is empty, where do we go? We've got to, we've got to use this media. We've got to go on to the cloud and, and Christ will appear on the cloud. (laughs) (laughs) If we bring him there. (laughs) Well, one of the things that, that you said in terms of the learning is that you know, if you would have known all was going to be well, it would have saved a lot of anxiety. It would have given you more confidence. There are a lot of voices, aren't there, that tell us what we should do, what we ought to do. And it's hard to to find that place of um, self-assurance in our relationship with, with Jesus to, to know that we are who we are on purpose. I remember you saying to me one time, be faithful to what you know. What do you mean by that? Just to share, maybe open that up a little bit. Be faithful to what you know, because there's a lot we don't know. I go back to a time when at university, I was almost losing my faith. And uh, university is always taught, you're learning about Christ, but you're never talking to him or, you know, you're never increasing your faith itself. You're learning about scripture or church history or whatever you were studying. And, and for me, at least I was, I was, I reached a point where I was ready to walk. You know, my faith was down the tubes. It was a good thing about it. University, I just have to put in is that I say it, it created a crisis for me in faith, but without that crisis, I wouldn't have grown in my faith. Mm. Um, I needed that because of a lot of reasons. But at this point, in this one, I was about to leave and say, I just, I'm as dead and as I'm dry bones here. My faith that I came in with, which was rather naive, rather simple, rather, it was certainly different than what I've been, been taught at the university. I was taking religious education and, or, uh, uh, just religious studies, rather, scripture studies, church history, and this was new to me, and it, it blew me away. I went into a professor, and I told him, I've got nothing left here. Everything has been taken away from me. Every, every belief that I ever had growing up as a child has just been shattered, and I have I'm nothing. I'm, I'm ready to leave. And the professor said, well, what's your experience of God? And I ignored him. He asked me that three or four times in the, in the course of this conversation. I just kept on going back about how all this that I've learned has just taken away my faith. Um, but he kept on returning to, to that one question. What is your experience? And I put the emphasis on your experience. Until finally I had to answer him and, and, and give him, well, my own conversion experience, my own journey a little bit of in faith. And he said, and he said there, the, that's what you know. 
you know, and that's that's the kind of the biblical knowledge of when it says, you know, uh, it's a it's an experiential knowledge, not learning from somebody else's experience, which is valuable. But what do you know within yourself? What's your experience with God? And I told him. And as soon as I told him, he said, that is your foundation. Never leave that. And uh, it, it was like, wow. And, and, and that served as a rock for me. That served for the rest of my life. I was able to say, I have experienced, I know God. I know God. Because he's touched my heart, my soul. Um, so I know him. And in times of extreme, you know, stress or anything else, it was always, you know God. You know God's with you. That was always the assurance that sometimes it was tentative, I guess, but still it was the foundation from which he gave me to, to work out of because he told me never to forget it. And as, as often as I think about it, you hear a lot of doubting people and they're not doing it. They don't doubt because they want you to doubt. They just, they're doubting. I don't think there's a God. You know, I don't believe there's a God. I don't, you know, tell me, where's, why is all the hard questions? Why is there sufferings if there's a God? Why is this? Why is that? Why did my mother die in this way? Why, where was God here? Not, you know, where was he? If he's an all loving God, why wasn't he there? These are questions that people struggle with. And, and then they put it on to, to us as, you know, why are you believing? Because you're not really looking at these realities. And if you did, you wouldn't believe, you know, you were just believing in a fairy tale. Those doubts we all have, I have, still have, because they're really questions. They're deep, deep questions. Where are you, Lord? They're even in the Psalms, you know, where are you? You know, I, don't you see that I'm drowning the, the, the gospel? You know, we're in the boat here and you're asleep. You know, right. <laughs> don't you care that we're dying here? Um, we've all been there. And, and that's when it's so important to say, to go back and to remember that, remember, Christ mm. is there. God was there and he's still there even in the, in the eye of the storm or in the center of the storm, I should say. Um, and I think that's so important too. I remember a professor saying the greatest sin that Israel had was that it forgot. It had a bad memory <laughs> right. when God was there. Right. I remember taking on, uh, deciding to read the Bible as a, as a novel. At one point, start at the beginning, go to the end and, Oh boy, it was willpower alone that was driving me. I'd never made it uh, in that attempt, but I gave it the old college try and I never, never forget getting to Kings and story after story of, you know, this King just realizing that God matters and repenting and turning to God. And all of a sudden the whole nation does great and thrives. And then he starts having affairs and worshiping false gods. And, and then all of a sudden the whole thing tanks and then they go for a long period of bad leadership. And then somebody picks up the scriptures and goes, wait a minute, God's real and, and repents. And I'm, 
after a while, I just thought, this is ridiculous. This is, why am I reading this over and over and over again? Why don't I just skip through this part? I've heard it. I get it. There are a bunch of dummies. Like, can we move on, please? And then I realized, wait a minute. That's actually my life. You <laughs> 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 think God's trying to talk to me? <laughs> exactly. It's not the truth. You get the message that's meant for you. <laughs> Here I'm trying to read it like a novel, right? That's the beauty of scripture. When we take the time to let it to to let it soak in, it's always gonna God's always gonna want to speak to you. And uh, and so I love what that professor said to you. What is your experience? And that and that's why we try to facilitate things where people can have an experience of God's love, because that really is the foundation which everything else makes sense with, Um, you know, and I'll often say one of my struggles is, well, inviting people to mass is not necessarily a great starting point in this current culture where there's a whole generation of people that grew up not ever going to church. And, and, and there's a lot of people who've left. And so they know what they left and why they left it. And it may not be the thing that will help them to reflect. Sometimes it does though. I've heard great stories of people just going back to mass after 20 years and the homily, it was like it was written specifically for them. The readings were specifically for them. The songs were specifically for them and it, and it changed their heart. And that does happen. And yet I think at the same time, we need to get creative in terms of how we engage with people to get them to think, to get them to reflect, to hopefully facilitate an experience that's not easy to do we can just create spaces that's why retreats can be so helpful at times and i love that but for 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 priests that maybe might be five years or less what else would you say i believe in that is this foundational i i I really oh yes that's right that's the beginning to believe in the believe in that promise that okay i'm with you always um again i was beset with doubt whether that was true or not because sometimes you have the who am i experience you know that you know your own limitations your own sinfulness your own mm. you know um it was hard to, and it is hard i think to believe that this idea of well you were chosen you god i chose you you did not chose choose me and and knowing that it came, that that's true, and believing that the truthfulness of that uh, is very difficult, but it is foundational. And I wish I had known it. That I guess that's true. So therefore, I can re- I have a father I can rely on. You know, he's, he he gave me birth. He gave birth to my faith. I didn't I didn't birth him. You know, I'm his yeah. son. You know. He's not, you know, it doesn't go the reverse. You, know? yeah, you never see kids having parents, <laughs> giving, <laughs> giving birth to parents. <laughs> exactly, you know. And, and so I, I, I really, I can't. And then to see that in a daily, daily basis, because so often I know I was beset with my own inadequacies, so much so that I never really thought that I would, I always wonder whether I'd, be a priest the next year mm. I, I went for 20 years believe this and this is true every year on 
right? The chrism mass when you when you make remake your promises. I was saying to myself, well, I'll try it one more year. I'll try it one more year. Certain that okay, I've been failing really. You know, I haven't been doing great, and maybe I'm just so I always felt I was on the edge of. So I so I'll try it one more year and. Uh, I'm sure that I'm going to fall off the cliff, you know, and, and it's all going to come. This is this whole idea of, of, I'm not, I went into the seminary with that. I remember thinking I'm going to get kicked out within a year. Rightly so. I would kick myself out. <laughs> I wouldn't even accept me. So, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't accept myself. There's no way they're going to accept me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, anybody, if this is, you know, you've got, and it was always a shock to me that I got through the next year. It was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Are you guys so bad in your discernment? Don't you know what kind of person that you're trying, that's going in front of you here? And, <laughs> And so I think I lived with that for, for like I say, 20 years. That was mm. that. Now, I don't think that's every, that's no. uh, the hope. Not. You know, some are very confident in their faith and their strength. And I admire them for being such. Um, I was not that person. I was always the person that really kind of struggled throughout my, mm. like I say, at least for 20 years, maybe more. What was the I turning did. point? Well, it came gradually. There wasn't a point that I said, I guess, but I guess it came. Um, you endure a lot. Uh, you go through, you know, a lot of, and each year you, <laughs> you're back. And so gradually at some point you get there and I say, well, I guess this is forever. <laughs> Since most of it is behind me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is this is a life. I think I'll make a life choice now <laughs> before I retire. <laughs> Twenty years of kicking the tires. <laughs> I'll take that model. <laughs> That's an antique, sir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I can trust it. <laughs> so it was it? So that was a particular. That was my own personal struggle, and and uh, so uh, and that's why that idea that hold on to that first, you know, that first experience that brought me to consider the priesthood. Mm. Uh, that's why it was so powerful. So beyond that, by having at least a stick to it, if this, that at least every year to say, all right, I'll do it. I'll try it again. You know, it's mm. almost like, you know, I'll keep, I'll keep to it until, uh, until I reach the breaking point and not quit before. Sometimes it was so powerful, the, the desire to just uh, quit, just to leave. I just, mm -hmm. it was a very powerful, powerful thing. And I think that came out of, I, I won't go into this, but at some point you make a bad decisions because you think that you're not doing well, that you're not doing, you're really not being inadequate. So that whole sense of inadequacy mm -hmm. as a priest, you know, um, you have to endure. Now, I'm sure that's universal. You know, so I think if there's anything and, and if there's any kind of universal universality to that feeling of inadequate, that you're never quite making the mark, 
Mm. You know, the, the idea of sin is missing the mark. Right. Well, geez. <laughs> I, <laughs> wait till I get the feeling. What do I compare it with? I've never hit the mark. <laughs> wait till I get there first. <laughs> then I'll know <laughs> what I'm supposed to be. Uh, in some way. Um, but, you know, that whole thing. And then you start. And I and and you know that history that I actually went to the bishop and asked that you know for a sabbatical. Um, that I'm not going to go into that too much because it's too a little bit too personal. But nevertheless, it came out of that feeling of you know, I'm really not the kind of priest that that really I guess that sense of inadequate. I, I'm repeating myself, but I made a decision. And asked the bishop to for sabbatical, for example, mm-hmm. and I left the parish, and at the wrong time, and I think, and I think to tell you the truth, more than if I learned something from that huge experience of leaving a parish, a parish, I learned something from that. I don't know if anybody would agree with this, so this is just a personal, yeah, uh, thing. Many people might not believe in this, but I asked to leave a parish, which I think prematurely. And afterwards, there was no priest to take my place. And one after another and after another, it was just the way what had been built up in the parish before my coming, which was mm-hmm. tremendous. There was tremendous priests before me. They were just, I thought, you know, I held them in high regard, still do. Um, they built up the parish. And I never held myself up to that level of, you know, I was never... But things were holding on, I guess. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're fine. But fine wasn't good enough for me. You know, fine wasn't good enough. I thought um, this should be much, you know, I'd, another person would come in and be do much better than fine. And in my opinion, you know, all right, this is fine. But there's so much more potential here. And somebody better than I should mm. be here and allow that potential to come forth and let this parish become, you know, uh, this, the number one parish and, you know, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. We have this and that and the other thing. And so there's this other kind of standard that I had in my mind that, you know, you really are missing the mark. You're not, you're not, you know, that kind of thinking. So, and that welled on. And then I asked to leave and say, listen, not asked to leave. I asked, you know, for sabbatical uh, when I would leave. The circumstances happened that that happened prematurely. And so the bishop being very kind and very generous, he uh, he allowed that allowed me to go on sabbatical. Mm. But the disaster that happened my, was that there was no priest. See, that whole premise that some priest is out there that, that God has... You know, I didn't even think about that. Maybe right. that's maybe God doesn't have that. Maybe there is such a priest, but he's not here for. He's not there now. Why don't you just trust in God that right. you do that? You you're here and fine is if that's the best you got. Fine is fine. Mm. You know, it's, well, and I t- let yeah. that and I let mm. that destroy. To me, the whole parish suffered because of that. And it's a great sin. I still carry a great guilt about that to a degree. I don't, I don't like right. to 
you know, but. Dwell too long, but yeah. Yeah. And if I could too, just put some perspective on that, because I remember those years and, and, and for those that are familiar with divine renovation and and St. Benedict parish in my lifetime, father Pat, there was three churches that were booming at all at different times. We've never had two churches booming at the same time in this diocese. And that's only my opinion. I'm not saying I'm right, but in my perception growing up. And one of them was St. John Vianney. Uh, was booming when I was in high school. That was, seemed to be the place that was just booming. And then, and then it was the place that you were at. And, and then it was after many years after that, it was St. Benedict. And, and, um, and honestly, I guess what I, I would, I, you know, something what's really true. I guess the point is this for me, mm. I walked away. It wasn't my, place to say whether it's booming or not right because that's not the goal the goal is to be faithful to, to god you know mother Teresa said you know the the, the reporter so it's sort of said i don't know if it's urban legend now or not but when she opened up the office in new york the legend says that the story says that the reporter asked you know you might be successful in india what makes you think you'll be successful in new york and her famous reply, you know, I'm not here to be successful. I'm here to be faithful, I you know? Yes. And that was my, that was my learning from that. Mm. I think that was my greatest learning that I ever had in my life. And it came out of that profound failure that mm. I wasn't there to create or to build or to be the priest to make this parish, whatever kind of super parish that. I thought it should be or could be, and and I'm failing if it's not. That that was my that wasn't from God that that thinking, God. I, and again, see, going back to to a trust and a belief that exactly that reading, God is with you. If that is true, if that is true, that in fact that it is God call chose you you did not choose god then to follow that through to say he's called you not some super you or some supervision of what you should be even what he could you know even what you may become he called you as as you and all he wants from israel or from us is just be faithful just 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 to believe and be faithful and leave the rest to me, leave the success to me, you know, that is beautiful. And I did not do that. And I was looking at the success and thinking, (laughs) no, listen, listen, saying, what was I going to do? Let's say if it became successful, was I going to take the credit? Oh, this is me. (laughs) I did all that. What kind of pride is that? You know, and and in the end, maybe perhaps the person or listener will say, boy, that was all pride. And I'd have to say, touche, you know, I have to own that. And that's, and that was my greatest, I think that was my greatest sin was, Mm. and it's the sin, the greatest sin is perhaps that the greatest sin is not being faithful. Mm. That was such a practical way in which faithfulness was displayed in my life. 
faithful to what you're so i think i've taken that and i don't mean to i won't judge anybody else because like i said faithfulness has been a uh, been a hard journey for me a year by year just oh hanging in yeah then that happened and that was my, my great act of unfaithfulness and the result was there but i think as a as a priest or whether you're a parent mm-hmm. or a father or a mother um and how many i you know over the years you talk to a lot of mothers and and parents fathers too sometimes more so mothers that will feel their inadequacy like am i really a good mother you know i'm not a good mother um i'm really failing here and the only question that's really is are you still trying are you still in the game right and giving it your, you know, giving it your best and letting, letting, you know, letting the Lord decide whether your best is good enough rather than you. If you're giving your best, you know, just so let good. that be, be your offering. Say, you know, let him decide whether it's fine or, or piss poor. Part of my French. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bilingual <laughs> program. <laughs> <laughs> it's as bad as you're speaking that I think to myself, like if I could go back and talk to my younger self, like if, if right now my current self could go back and talk to my younger self, I would have said, and again, it's just coming out of our conversation. I would have said, Ron, you can do this. It, I probably had coaching on my heart for 15 years before I ever started coaching a church. And it was because I didn't think I had any right to do it. I didn't like, I I had all this self doubt. And if I could, if I could take my own face in my current hands, my young face in my current hands, I would say what you just articulated. And that is, you can do this. God has put this call on your heart. Don't be afraid. Just walk with him. Like this is a call he has on your life. Just, don't don't fret about the outcomes. Be faithful. Just do it. Because when I started to do it, the impact was significant. And I thought, wow, because it wasn't like I was any more able to do it then than I was 15 years ago. Oh, isn't that right? That's true. 15 years of wasted ministry in some sense. But but that's that was my journey uh, of just not being able to be faithful, not being able to believe in that call that I you know, in my heart of hearts, I, I've always wanted to help. And yeah, I just didn't I think that. I was worthy of it. Yeah. I remember so, you talking about it. Yeah. Often, often you were, it was on your heart. My, mind you, you've done a lot. I must admit, you've done, you've been very proud of what you've done. Um, you shouldn't have pride in it, but I, you know, I'm proud of it. <laughs> Well, and the same goes for you too, just for the record, because I know you're not going to pat your own back, but you've been a mentor for me in times of doubt and uncertainty. And 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 I guess that's the last thing I want to ask you about is before we wrap up, because truly I, I look at my life and where do I turn when the chips are down, when things seem to be coming unraveled? And I've been so blessed to have great people in my life who love me and care about me and thankfully see, think more about me than I think about myself uh, most of the time. 
and I've been able to turn to them and, and hear and maybe not right away, but, but, but uh, did you have people in your life that you could turn to as you were wrestling with, with whatever, you know, feelings of uncertainty or, or, or self-doubt? You know something? <clears throat> Uh, yes and no. No, I'll go with the no first. No, to the extent that that's the kind of stuff I don't um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit pig-headed, I guess. A little bit pig-headed, you know? Um, that you don't go out and perhaps find what you need. Uh, like back then, if I had found somebody and said, I'm sure somebody would have said, you know, are you crazy? That's not, that's not from God. But then I probably didn't want to hear that. You know, I didn't want to admit that that's where I was or, and that's part of the problem when you're, when you're kicking yourself, you don't, you know, <laughs> You don't want somebody to say, stop, you know, <laughs> I'm not done yet. <laughs> you know that you deserve the kick. You don't want somebody disagreeing with you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so to that degree. I'm enjoying this kick. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, who are you to tell me I can't kick myself? You know, <laughs> and I know that it's the right thing to do. <laughs> Something like that. Right. So, but on the other hand, on the other hand, it's been an amazing, it is amazing how much love I have received. Even the bishop who gave me that sabbatical, I admire him because he said, he, it made a, he made a promise. And then he was transferred. And before he was transferred, he brought me in and, and said, well, I can't keep promise I made if I'm not bishop. Right. And that's how it happened prematurely. Gotcha. But you see the kindness of that? That, mm. that, that was a very kind thing to do. Um, and there's been so many, many people that have um, been very kind to me over the years. Mm. I, I really deeply appreciate their, their love. And I, and, and I know that I would never have made it through uh, both men and women. There's some, some, some hugely important women in my life uh, that, because oddly enough, you talk to women more <laughs> so, about certain things, you know, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. and maybe it's because they're great listeners. I don't know. You mean you don't uh, talk to your brothers when you're golfing like that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, you've really, you can't play a good, well, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> my best games of golf are with my brothers. True enough. <laughs> uh, they don't mind it when you're in the woods all the time. <laughs> <laughs> they keep you humble too, I'm sure. Exactly. Constant teasing now. So you need that. I guess the point you want to make, and I think I'd, I would affirm that, mm. you don't walk this journey on earth alone. Mm. And and you don't even get you can't get through it without us. It's just impossible mm. to get through it. 
and without the support and the love of. And it's those little small, small instances. And I've seen it often. I'd be in, you know, and you've been there where you're really going in a dark place or at a sad place or a stressful place or whatever the bad is. And somebody comes along and, and breaks your thinking, breaks into it, you know, and inserts themselves into that thinking. And, and all of a sudden you walk away and say, thank God you showed up. Yeah, because, so you know, you changed my perspective or you changed my day. And yeah, there it is. I love that. So here's what I'm taking away from our conversation, because we really, as we entered into it, we knew the well, theme, but we didn't know what would come out of it. I certainly didn't. But here's the three things. And and you tell me if I missed anything or how you'd say it differently. But the first thing, and, I, and it's more of something I'm noticing than something we said, is that be honest with yourself. Be brutally honest with yourself. Take the time to reflect as in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 suggests, starting at verse 5. And when you do, be brutally honest with yourself. The second thing, maybe, and I know we talked about it at the end, was to have somebody to turn to. Like, have your have your Rolodex of close confidants, whether male or female, that that when you're going to those dark places, you can go for a walk and 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 maybe just see if they can break into the thinking that might not be as helpful. And then the third thing, and, and it pro- it's what we started with, is it's trust your experience of God. He chose you. You didn't choose him. He gave birth to your faith. And stand firm on that and, and, and cherish it and nurture it. So I'd like to add another little small thing. Please. <laughs> We say, you know, be brutally honest with yourself because sometimes honesty is brutal. It's hard to to see. But recognize that if it is being brutal, it may not be from God in the sense that uh, if it's not loving, if it's not loving, and if you're not speaking to yourself, then that was my downfall. You know, I felt inadequate and I was just, I was, you know, you're, I was putting myself down. That track and if was I really, over and over. Yeah. And if you have to, if there's a being that honest, it's like, what are you doing now? Is that honestly from God? Or where's that coming from? If you can break, and I, and obviously I could not break through that. I could not break that. And to your, to your point. Maybe it would have, it would have it certainly would have been a, the thing, the very thing that I needed to break through that was somebody else when mm-hmm. you can't do it yourself, right. you know, but to recognize that as they call it in AA, you know, the stinking thinking, mm. this is stinking thinking. It comes from the one who smell mm. and it's not from God. It doesn't have the fragrance of God, uh, the beauty and the love. So I would say if there's anything, he, and I've often said it, even in homilies, be gentle with yourself. For God's sakes, just be gentle, be kind, because um, God is kind. All right, so no more kicking yourself, all right? <laughs> <laughs> just giving me permission. <laughs> it's on air. <laughs> exactly, you know, it throws the leg out as well. It's very difficult. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Well, Pat, it's just been a treat to get together on the podcast and be able to have this conversation. And I know it'll be a real encouragement, not only to priests, but to your point, moms and dads all over the place or people that are just finding themselves struggling. I think there's a lot of wisdom in this. And and, uh, thank you for making the time to be with us today. God bless you, Ron. Thank you. Have, and, and I wish you all the success <laughs> of faithfulness. <laughs> Remember to be faithful. Okay, you're called. And I believe that entirely you're called. All right. Hello. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with us. There are so many things that we can take for granted when it comes to our leaders. I'm grateful for Father Pat's honest reflections, and I hope you've gained an appreciation for the support that we can provide our priests when we commit to our faith by using our gifts and strengths to come alongside these church leaders. If we can see and appreciate one another's humanness, maybe that's the first step in doing something supernatural together to make this world a better place. See you next week. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.